Hello everybody uh, and Kiora. In today's session, our presenters will talk about the updated Ostrot's road deterioration models for deflection, cracking, rutting and roughness. These models were improved uh, to support wider loading and the climate conditions observed in Australia. We have almost 500 people uh, registered for today's session. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Senior Communications Officer at Ostroads, and I will be moderating today's session. Initially, we planned to moderate it together with Dr. Jahid Hoke, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to join um, due to um, technical difficulties, so I will do that instead of Jahid. Um, I'd like to start by acknowledging the Treaty of Waitani and Māori as the regional people of New Zealand. I also acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. Ostrot is based in Sydney, and so today I'm on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging, and their deep and ongoing connection to the land. A little bit about Ostroads, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organisations to deliver an improved road transport network. Um, the project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Programme, which is managed by Ross Guppy. A bit of housekeeping, um, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides and the reports can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on your sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of that slide in your message. That helps us give context uh, to your question um, and helps us answer it as best as we can. Also let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely uh, with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session via your email registration usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find Ostroads in your podcast app. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today. We will first hear from Dr. Tim Martin, uh, who is a national discipline leader, performance modeling uh, road asset performance at the Australian Road Research Board, uh, with over 40 years of experience. Tim designed this um, observational study and related experimental um, studies. Our next presenter will be Ranita Sen. Ranita is a Senior Technology Leader, Road Asset Performance uh, at the Australian Road Research Board. Ranita works in the development of payment management systems. And the presentation will be concluded by Tarun Tool, Chief Technology Leader, uh, Road Asset Performance uh, at the Research um, at the Australian Road Research Board. Tarun has over 40 years experience uh, in a wide range of um, highway engineering and management projects um, and in institutional development and training in over 20 countries. So welcome to all our presenters and over to you, Tim. Thank you. Um very much Ekaterina and uh, welcome to the uh, webinar everybody and it's good to have you with us. Uh, next slide. I want to first talk about the project team. The project team is uh, the people who did the work and the working group of the people sitting on the side giving advice and, and reviewing our work. The project manager was Dr Zahid Hock from uh, 
transport for New South Wales. I was the project leader from um, running the project and managing the project technically as well as uh, financially. The ARB team included Renita Sin, who uh, was shortly speaking to you. She was mainly involved in data analysis and culling and filtering and doing the modelling work. Uh, Tyra Antool, who will conclude this session, was the quality manager. And we also used Dr. Yongsi Song from Curtin University. You look at the big data work that was looked at to see how viable uh, it would be in doing this sort of uh, modelling work we're attempting here. The working group, as you can see, includes a lot of people. I just want to firstly call out the um, Dr. Tuns Henning from IDS New Zealand, who provided a lot of advice for us, as well as being on the working group. And then Professor Jayanta Kodikara from Monash uh, was also another reviewer. Uh, the other working group people, I will just briefly talk, mention them, Tariq Memon at the Northern Territory Transport Agency, uh, Lalinda Karanati uh, from Main Roads Western Australia, Amanda Rays from the Department of Transport South Australia, Amutha Flaranjayan, uh, Department of Transport Victoria, Rob Clifford from the State Growth um, Tasmania, and Liam Terrace uh, from Transport New South Wales, as well as Derek Rue from Transport New South Wales. We also had a number of people, such as Peter Kadar from CERTS, whose great experience in this area was valuable as well as Mark, Dr. Mark Harvey from Bittry in Canberra, who's been an economist and has been involved with this sort of work himself, and also Ted James from New South Wales, who's been um, a great deal of experience internationally and nationally in this area of pavement performance. Uh, I think that's pretty well covered everybody, and that's the fairly large group and very helpful to us all through this whole project. Thank you. The objective of the project was really to revise and update the current road Austroads deterioration models. And these models are meant to net, represent network pavement performance under various loading and climate conditions observed across Australasia. And it was based, they were based, uh, the current models that exist were based on Austroads uh, observational data from long term pavement performance and long term pavement performance maintenance sites. These original models that exist and, and were based on data collected from 1994 to 2008, whilst the new models have got a much greater uh, period of uh, observation. Uh, anyway, we're also looking at the possibility of using what's called big data based on uh, trans traffic speed deployment of data collected in New South Wales and Queensland and New Zealand. Uh, next, please. The brief was to update the current models, the road deterioration models that were based on flexible pavements, which basically unbound granular pavements with sprayed seals or thin asphalt surfaces less than 40 millimetres thick, uh, undergoing deterioration during the gradual deterioration phase of their, of their life. The models we looked at were the reflection or strength model, deterioration model, pavement strength deterioration model, cracking deterioration model, that surface cracking, Writing deterioration model, roughness deterioration model as well, which is a very useful model in economic analysis. Ostroads, by implication, wanted these models to be in algorithmic form. There are only four models here uh, based at a network level. Thank you. Right, so now for Renita. Thanks very much, team, and good afternoon, everyone. 
I'm now quickly going to go through the data that has been used in the modeling, the analysis system that's been involved, and also the results from the proof of concept study. So um, one of the very first steps in the model development process was to identify the data that's required and also then requesting the data from the road or state or road or agencies and also then um, cleansing the data and checking the suitability of the data for the model development process. So the requested data type involves section level information, inventory information about the network, as well as the time series condition data, traffic information, uh, climate and environmental information uh, like uh, tone weight moisture index, um, clay content, uh, TMI and all, and then also the maintenance history when it is available. So we actually had very good response from all the road agencies and almost all the road agencies have supplied the data on what was available. And uh, based on all those, um, like checking the suitability of the data, what we have found, Osroads uh, LTPP and LTPPM data set from 1994 to 2018, as well as TSD data sets from uh, Transport for New South Wales and uh, Queensland um, uh, from 2014 to 2018, and uh, New Zealand LTPP data set uh, from 2001 to 2019 had good coverage in terms of the time series condition data and also other uh, related attributes. So here the flowchart shows uh, the methodologies of the step that we followed in um, checking the suitability of the data and then applying that in the model development. So the first one is, of course, the review of the supply data set from state and territory road authorities. And from there, we found um, Main Road Western Australia, uh, DIT South Australia, and also DTP Victoria had data but did not have like sufficient year-by-year -year coverage, so it was excluded. Then uh, the available data set from uh, Transport for New South Wales, LTPP, and also New Zealand was then uh, checked further for their um, suitability. A proof of concept analysis, which I'm shortly going to show you the results from it, using uh, Transport for New South Wales data was um, done, and the output was like uh, there are multiple <clears throat> network level models coming out from different clusters uh, with very poor fit. Hence, um, the use of uh, TSD data uh, in the development of the model was excluded. And the decision, and along with the project working group, was to go ahead with the LTPP and LTPPM data, data sets from Australia in the development of the model. And uh, we also explored then the inclusion of different variables like lower soil moisture content, percent of clay within the model and um, some have been kept, some have been excluded. And uh, the first uh, run of uh, cut apart the models were developed for asphalt <clears throat> uh, less than 100 mil thickness and also sealed surfaces based on the selected data set. And uh, again, uh, after discussion and um, checking of the models with the working groups, it was further um, refined using only sealed uh, surfaces and asphalt surfaces with less than 40 mil of thickness. And uh, based on those final models, some performance validation was done using our TSD data. So uh, the, the analysis approach was guided by the model form requirement and also the preferences of the road agencies. We wanted to have explanatory variables in the model and model like needed to be in a, like a form where we can put input from the available data and also the supply data availability. All of these govern the final equation format of the model. 
So um, to determine the suitability of the TSD data in the development of the model, a proof of concept study was conducted. Um, this was done by you know, Dr. Yang Zisong from Cartoon University using uh, TSD data sets from Transport for New South Wales. And um, what has been done, the network was divided into multiple clusters and each cluster had like sort of similar um, condition and attributes. And what uh, based on those clusters, a sample result is shown here, which shows like rate of change of deflection with time. It has a few variables like um, traffic in terms of MISA, clay content and TMI in the model. But uh, the explanatory power of the model, the goodness of it is very poor, as you can see from the R squared values. Also, this approach, like this cluster approach, will ultimately um, result in multiple models for uh, multiple clusters across multiple uh, state and network in Australia, which uh, did not really align with the agreed project at scope, like which was like developing one set of model for one of the four parameters. So um, the decision was then to use the LTPP and LTPPM data set in the development of the four deterioration models. I will now hand over to Tim. He is going to go through the initial LTPP and LTPPM deflection model investigation. Um, over to you, Tim. Thank you, uh, Renita, very much. Um, yes, this is uh, a bit of an, an initial development, and the um, deflection or strength model is very critical to the whole modeling process because it usually becomes an input variable into rutting roughness. Uh, road deterioration models. What we wanted to do here was to account very much for the seasonal variation of deflections that we measured at our observational site. We measured uh, these observational sites, LTPP and LTPPM uh, sites were measured with a falling weight deflectometer. And we often, the maximum deflection is usually rec recorded as part of the bowl deflection. But we also want to align that with the lower soil moisture content, which is measured by the Bureau of Meteorology since 2000. It's a, it's a measure of the soil down to about a metre from the surface. And also another variable which we could, we believe may have had some influence on deflection, of course, is the percentage of clay, which is the potential of soil reactivity. And that was based on a CSIRO observations of a soil map. Uh, we wanted to estimate the DNOR, that's the design value of deflection for, for uh, traffic. And there were three possible ways of doing that. One was to use the Austroads estimation of the characteristic design value. Another one was a, an estimate which we at Arbor developed based on an in-service value based on these LTPPM sites. Uh, however, we did some modelling with these and found that it didn't work very well and we ended up adopting a statistical approach for estimating d I'll talk about that in a minute uh, and how we managed to do that. Thanks. Um, we were looking at, a, obviously, there's a various model forms we could have used. We decided to use a ratio of deflections, the d ratio against the actual d naught measured at a particular point of time. This keeps the, because uh, it's a fraction, it keeps the variability down a little bit. Uh, it's a trick that modelers use. Um, we want to also look at how, what, what 
general form this model would have as a function of payment age, uh, service life, lower soil moisture content, that's a particular form of the lower soil moisture content percentage clay, traffic in terms of meter and cumulative cracking. There are other forms we looked at, and this was to some extent ruled out by the earlier work that was done by Dr. Yongsi Sung in, at Curtin University. Was, this would be a form of the D0, was a function of the original D0 as designed or constructed, uh, some added to the cumulative gray change in D0 over a particular period of time, uh, or it would have been a uh, another estimate, which was the D0 previously added to an incremental value of the D0 for that particular uh, in, annual increase. Uh, as you see on the graph on the right-hand side, this was sort of meant to be a wonderful thing, but uh, we, and we found that we had to um, not adopt this approach. Unfortunately, we uh, the goodness of fit using the uh, these other forms, such as just to mention there, uh, didn't didn't uh, give us any decent sort of models. So we've had to go another approach, which I'll talk a bit more about now. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned before, seasonal correction is a really big issue, and also the D naught measured were, were always corrected for the actual pressure on the uh, testing plate of 700 kPa. There were three approaches adopted for dealing with the lower soil moisture content for seasonal correction. Uh, the first one was to actually use a monthly value of the lower soil moisture content for a particular year divided by the long-term average of lower soil moisture content. The second approach was to use the lower soil moisture factor capped to ranges of 0.5 to 1.5. Uh, and the third approach was to average over lower soil moisture content over three months that particular year and divided by the long-term average of lower soil moisture content. Um, when the lower soil moisture content factors greater than one obviously means that the wet conditions relative to the long-term measurement and when the soil, lower soil moisture content factor is less than one it means that conditions are dry relative to the lower soil moisture content and long-term average. As you can see on the right-hand side there, these, this is a sort of schematic. It's just meant to sort of illustrate the fact that uh, we do have seasonal changes in Australia. Up north is probably only two seasons dry and wet, while the rest of Australia may have some sort of mid-season, which gets pretty close to the average of uh, soil moisture content. So you've got wet, dry, plus something in the middle. That was what, how we were looking at uh, characterising the various uh, changes of soil moisture content over a year or over a longer period. If we can go to the next slide, please. Thanks. In this slide, uh, you see on the right-hand side the actual measures, and there's a um, correction uh, factor done here. The first ones, um, the, this is done, of course, to the normalised uh, D naught value for, for 700 kPi, um, and it tends to show that the Lower soil moisture content factors tend to over amplify the effect of the changes in, in moisture content. Um, it got to the stage where you'd be using a correction factor of four or something like that, which we just thought was just a little bit too much. And it didn't, we, we need to study this a bit more and adopt a different approach. What we are looking at is doing, and it is going, ongoing, and it'll be mentioned later, uh, the seasonal deflection study using the lower soil moisture content bell. Values at the time deflection was made, undertaken, and then try and relate 
those soil moisture content values to the actual deflection measurement over, over a long period of observation uh, where we were able to catch, capture these uh, different deflection values due to the different seasonal effects. So as a result of this, we were unfortunately had to adopt the current Australian seasonal correction factor of 1.3, which means that if you have it done in the wetter period, you divide the deflection by 1.3. Uh, that's the usual approach that Australia has adopted, and it's been a very empirical approach, and uh, it probably could do with an improvement if we're going to be serious about measuring and correcting for strength uh, seasonal effects. The other issue, of course, is that, as you know, climate change is uh, fairly evident, and uh, how do we account for climate change when uh, we're also trying to deal with seasonal effects, and we're hoping with enough data we should be able to deal with that, but it's not easy to do. I think it's that might not see any more for me. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna hand you over to Renita who will talk a lot more about the actual detailed road deterioration model development for both deflection and other models. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Tim. Um, I'm now going to go through briefly about, on, about the models that have been developed. Um, and uh, it is worth mentioning that there has been significant amount of uh, data cleansing and also like numerous iterations that were involved that led to the final four models uh, as a part of this project. So deflection road iteration model development is the first one uh, that has been developed in this process. So initial model form of deflection as mentioned by team is a ratio between D0 and D0I, um, which is like deflection at the time of construction and the current deflection. And uh, it has been designed, as, uh, it was like the initial model form had all the all possible explanatory variables like pavement age, uh, sill, uh, surface uh, life, lower soil moisture content factor, then um, clay content, uh, MISA, traffic, etc. And um, the model format was such that one minus age and um, then the function of the rest. It also meets the boundary condition, meaning when the age is, payment age is zero, um, D0 becomes D0I. And um, this initial uh, D0 uh, formula was based on the estimation based, uh, based on traffic, and it was then used as a dependent variable in this uh, multivariate and nonlinear regression analysis. And um, throughout iteration, we started excluding uh, factors like uh, lower soil moisture content as shown by team, like it was um, not suitable and instead used a character deflection 1.3 and um, formats like um, TMI was added. And uh, and also like no robust models could be developed with the use of service life. So instead we have used traffic in terms of MISA and um, percent clay was also excluded uh, in the final model form. So the modeling uh, exercise was like recursive in nature where uh, results from one iteration was used to recalculate D0. And then that deflection D0 was again used as an input in the equation unless uh, until the modeling fit improved. So total number of the sample size was 450. Uh, and uh, final model form includes uh, payment age, traffic in terms of MISA and uh, climate in terms of tone weight moisture index TMI as um, significant independent variables. The model has a goodness of fit of 0.96.
and this model predicts uh, reducing D0 by D0i with payment age. And here, as I mentioned earlier, the D0 is a seasonally corrected value. So um, in this uh, model, of course, what we do not have is the lower soil moisture content factor, and that could be an uh, option for the future model development that needs to incorporate this seasonal variation, provide a relationship between um, deflection and um, soil moisture content or TMI, and that forward prediction uh, of those variables like uh, lower soil moisture content, and that could be like a probability-based uh, prediction as well. So sensitivity analysis was done on the developed model to see the variation in the dependent variable D0 divided by D0i with the changes in independent variables, for example, TMI and traffic. And what it shows, like TMI has the biggest uh, influence uh, on D0 by D0i with higher TMI, that means moving to the wetter climate contributes to the higher deterioration or quicker deterioration. MISA has uh, some similar influence in estimating D0 versus D0i. And in the uh, existing Osroads model, or I should say probably the previous Osroads model, uh, it was service life that was used, and here it has been replaced uh, by traffic in terms of MISA. And having a deterioration model that directly um, calculates or predicts D0 by D0i, or uh, deflection D0, and then uh, eliminates the need for a modified structural number uh, because that was a, like a derived um, parameter from the deflection values anyway. But here we are, the model predicts that is deflection these are in future years. And um, the model of course has improved goodness of fit compared to the uh, existing of the previous Oslo's models. Next is the um, development of the cracking road deterioration model. And um, cracking uh, road deterioration model was developed using Transport for New South Wales uh, cracking TSD data. The reason is LTPP or LTPPM cracking data set did not have a very good extent of coverage when it comes to cracking. And um, that's why time series data from Transport for New South Wales TSD uh, collection was used. And we only concentrated on uh, sail surfaces and asphalt less than 40 mil of thickness, as mentioned earlier. And we only selected a time series data where we see a continuous increase in cracking over time to eliminate any effect of possible unrecorded maintenance. And for those same sections, we also extracted the other associated variables, like inventory and condition information like MISA, TMI, and all these. Unfortunately, cracking was age which shows like the initiation of the cracking as a difference between surface age and sill life was not available. So we had to make some assumptions on the cracking age. So the assumption was anything that with any road section that has more than 10 years of uh, surface age, where the surface age exceeds 10 years, uh, thinking that's when the cracking initiates and only took the sections where age was greater than one, but cracking sorry, age was greater than 10 and cracking was also greater than one. That means it, when the surface age is more than 10 years cracking already, the section starts cracking. And these sort of rules actually uh, limited the number of the sections that was uh, uh, like, that had like, that was maintaining those rules. And out of 100,000 or several hundred thousand segments, we only end up with 
256 samples with continuous increase in cracking over time and also surface age over 10 where cracking already initiated. So uh, the developed model form is actually cumulative cracking uh, since uh, since the beginning of the time and based on the multivariate and uh, multivariate nonlinear regression analysis, it shows that um, cracking age and TMI are the two significant variables here. But and though the though they are the, the these two variables were significant. They did not really have a good fit to the data. That's why the R squared value was indeterminate. Uh, but uh, calibration factor of KC has been introduced um, to suit the observed cacking rate so that uh, calibration can be done to suit the local needs. So as I said, modeling had significant variables but cannot fit the data. And model form is also different than the previous Oslo's models where um, uh, like it, this current model is having like a greater risk coming from the winter climate uh, with a greater higher rate of progression due to an inclusion of TMI. And here is an uh, worked out example for that. Uh, for a dr very dry climate, um, it takes almost <clears throat> around 35 years for cracking to reach 50%, whereas at a very wet climate, which is the red line, it is becoming 100% in 10 years time. And also uh, not having traffic data and other uh, variables as significant, it shows that TSD measured cracking data. And as we know, cracking is a surface phenomena. And it does not have any influence from the traffic or the strength. So next is the routing model development. And for the routing model development, we again went back to the LTPP data and used um, uh, used a surface, a spread seal and thin asphalt surfaces only uh, samples. And um, it, there is a cumulative routing. It has been the dependent variable and, and the independent variables are like payment age, deflection as D0, TMI, and traffic in terms of MISA. The total number of the sample was 235 with an R squared value of 0.51. And this model also incorporated a relative performance factor um, to cater for the effect of the surface maintenance related to a, a, double, a double seal. And the model, uh, of course, depends on D0 TMI pavement agent MISA, but the model has higher goodness of fit than the previous Osrus models. So and during our project, it was um, from the working group, it was like discussed like how someone can use these uh, cumulative model forms in an incremental way. So here is an example of how to um, convert the cumulative forms to an incremental form. So what we have doing here, routing at any given time of I plus one is actually um, the routing from the year before plus the differences between um, cumulative rot uh, between uh, in, in the two years. So like differences between two cumulative routing in one year apart actually gives us the increment in that particular one year. And that's being added to the previous year's routing value to get the total routing for the year. And this type of form also accounts for the increase in the traffic load MISA from year to year, because if MISA is higher this year than the last year, that's gonna affect um, the numbers as well. Similar to um, cracking. So it is showing um, the variation 
in uh, routing with the variation of the independent variables. So the first one on the left is uh, with the variation of deflection. Of course, higher deflection uh, is associated with higher uh, progression of cumulative routing, provided that everything else is the same. And then the TMI and um, MISA has some influence, but probably the lowest of all of these three. And the final model is the roughness uh, demodel development. And uh, find, uh, it is again developed as a cumulative roughness, uh, delta IRI for both sealed and asphalt pavements with less than five mil of thickness, uh, 40, 40 mil of thickness using LTPP and LTPPM data. The final model form has um, lots of variables in it, which includes um, TMI, pavement age, traffic in terms of MISA, then uh, the total cumulative cracking, cumulative rotting, and um, also IRI zero, which is IRI at the time of construction. There are a total 168 uh, samples with an R squared value of 0.26. And similar to rotting model, this uh, roughness model also uses a relative performance vector to account for any surface maintenance that's done compared to a, um, a double sale surface. And um, the model has a lower goodness of fit, unfortunately, than the current Osworth model. And similar to routing, um, this is the incremental form of a roughness model where the total cumulative in two years has been subtracted to get the increment and then added to the year before. It also accounts for because a MISA is a variable, so does the TMI. So any changes in the MISA or TMI over time it can also be incorporated um, while trying to see the changes over time. And this sensitivity analysis also shows like changes in roughness with the changes in deflection, MISA and TMI. Of course, uh, they are showing some effects with higher deflection or higher TMI or higher traffic is um, contributing to higher roughness progression. So after the models were done, uh, the models have been validated using some test, uh, uh, test data from Transport for New South Wales uh, PSD uh, collection. The test data is something that was never used in the model development. So we wanted to see how good uh, it predicts uh, the condition when, when we used another data set that was not really used in the development of the model. So this is the routing model validation, comparison of the predicted and observed total routing using uh, Transport for New South Wales TSD data. On the left is the scatter plot of predicted versus observed. And on the right, it shows the distribution of the differences between predicted versus observed. Of course, we know that the goodness of fit was moderate. Uh, so we're not really expecting a straight line fit, of course. But what we see in like 30% of the sample, the differences in uh, rutting lies within plus minus one millimeter. For 56% of the sample, it's plus minus two millimeter. And um, for 76% of the sample, it's plus minus three millimeter. The thing is, when you look at the distribution, the distribution is uh, kind of normally distributed with variation across the positive and the negatives, which uh, tells us that then calibration becomes a viable option to reduce uh, the variability in the differences between predicted and observed. And this is similar sort of plot, this time using roughness and predicted versus observed using transport from New South Wales data. Again, the roughness goodness of it was only 0.26, so this scatter is high. 
but what you see, 59% um, of the data sample had difference plus minus one IRI and 93% of the sample had difference of plus minus two IRI. That's all from me. I will now hand over to Tyrone for some possible future direction for work from here. Over to you, Tyrone. Thank you, Renita, and thank you, Tim. And, and firstly, thank you to uh, your strides to the member agencies, counterparts, and the audience who's showing great interest. It's great to have been involved in this work. So I'm just going to summarize a few, a few things uh, and then point uh, to a few suggestions also on the future from, uh, from the team's viewpoint. The, the, just taking that first point, the proof of concept approach uh, using big data, review of data sets, et cetera, is we couldn't develop uh, single RD models uh, required. There were no uh, robust relationships found. The maximum deflections also from the LC, uh, the New Zealand LTPP data set were also significantly higher than most of those in the in the Australian uh, set. We the LSM percent clays clay variables were also not available, uh, meaning we couldn't combine data sets uh, effectively for this uh, analysis. I guess a point from myself is this doesn't mean that the proof of concept doesn't have the potential in future. It's just not there yet. And the, but we know a lot of our uh, member agencies are actually pursuing this now uh, as a better and longer time series data be, uh, comes available. And I wish everybody the best on, on that. So going just specifically to the uh, relationships which have been de developed, they're based on the LTPP data. And as mentioned earlier by Tim, we found that the, and, and Renita, TMI was highly correlated to the LSM and percentage clay, and it gave a better fit. And this was determined uh, not from the proof of concept data, but from the LTPP data. Uh, next slide, please. So again, what have we been able to achieve? Statistically significant relationships for spreads, seal and thin asphalt granular pavements, and they're presented in cumulative and incremental form. Structural deterioration in this case, moving away from the modified structural number method, uh, for in-service pavements to a deflection-based method, and we collect deflections right across the country, or the agencies do. Cracking, rutting, and roughness, and those have been explained. The application of the incremental model form is recommended in forward prediction. It needs careful selection on the climate side uh, because of the risk of moisture climate uh, conditions changing in future. So again, giving you that uh, basis for actually undertaking scenario analysis. It's clear from this and many other studies that calibration is essential, given the variety of factors known to influence performance. And again, the, the building up of quality data sets within agencies with long time series 
uh, information will be of help. Next slide, thank you. So some suggestions from the team on possible future lines of research. There, there are multiple studies going on across the country. I, I can truly say that, as I mentioned, our member agencies are pursuing significant work continuously, as well as within other research organizations, including the universities. A few, a few points from uh, our team. Future research to improve seasonal correction as part of the uh, structural modeling process we think is vital. Uh, just to fly the flag for one in the National Assets Program, uh, Project A61, uh, supported by Transport and Main Roads in, uh, in Queensland, is really looking very closely at this, this, this effect by doing multiple cycles of uh, testing through the year. And again, we can, we can then be in a better position to investigate other associations with lower soil moisture and other uh, variables. The, the current crack initiation and, uh, model is based on binder hardening, and we, we talk about that as the oxidation model, etc. How does it account for PMBs, rubber and asphalt, etc.? And again, there's a number of projects, including the under NACO uh, and other programs, which are investigating this in, uh, in detail as we speak. And I think that will be a welcome uh, output uh, so that we can take, take better modeling forward again in future. Few final comments extending the modeling to asphalt and other pavements. Uh, and revisiting, as I mentioned earlier, revisiting big data uh, once we've got this more substantial time series, high quality data set uh, available uh, across across the country. And you know, looking at that uh, side of things, we're talking about nearly ten, eight, eight, nine years of uh, traffic speed deflectometer data uh, across vast vast swathes of the road network. So uh, there's much to do going forward, but I'd, I'd say you know we've made another uh, step along the right direction. And thank you all for your attendance, contribution, support, etc. Thank you. Over to you, Ekaterina. Thanks, Tarun. Just uh, organizing myself here. <laughs> All right, uh, we're just waiting for team to join us back for the Q&A. Yep, everyone's here, fantastic. Uh, thanks so much um, to all of you for a very interesting presentation and it generated lots of questions. Um, I'm going to jump to uh, the first one, uh, which is sort of a general question. Um, what types of pavement um, have these deterioration models have been, um, for what types of pavements have these deterioration models been developed? For example, seal, thin asphalt on fully flexible unbound granular pavements only. Are these models for a particular type of road, um, for example, two-lane, two-way rural highway, um, so on and so forth? So 
um, who would like to answer that question? Um, I can start, and I'm sure Tyrone can add something. Uh, these models were developed for uh, un generally unbound uh, granular pavements with minimal or no uh, stabilisation with thin surfacing such as sprayed seal, uh, <clears throat> double seal, single seal or whatever, uh, and or a thin asphalt. They're not meant to be applied to deep lift asphalt pavements, uh, but they can be applied to these type of pavements if they're in a metro area, such as a local government area, but they wouldn't be applied to deep lift asphalt pavements uh, in, in, uh, in major urban areas. Uh, I think, Tyrone, you may want to add something to that. Probably the, the comment would be predominantly uh, single carriageways. There were some uh, duplicate sections, uh, but also they were primarily arterial roads. So if you're going into your much lower order roads or your highest standard of roads, uh, be very conscious about the need for calibration. Thanks, um, Tarun. Um, next question. Um, so do you think accelerometer data from many vehicles traveling the road can complement the annual deflection method to give indicators of the state of roads? Shall I have a go here, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I was a bit thrown by the accelerometer stuff. But, yeah. There's a bit of a clarification here, Tarun, in the question. So these inertia measurement units with visual analysis can give indicators of severity, depth of potholes, depressions, rutting, edge break, and roughness um, approximations. Look, I'd probably say there there is increasingly a greater interest in in these these technologies as they become available and they're, they're doing more than say uh, some, of the, some of the responses that might have been in cell phones or mobile devices. And, and I, I, I genuinely say keep your eyes on it. Uh, going back to some of the mobile phone devices, going back maybe well, five, six years when I did work for Aussie and things like that, they were becoming popular in some of the countries, but they didn't all stack up with uh, against uh, profile devices or even response type instruments. So we we need to bear that in mind, but I'm sure the technology is changing and it will be, be to our advantage in future. Thanks, Arun. Um, I've just jumped to slide 13 where you talked about data sets for modeling. Um, and the question in relation to this slide is, did traffic data include applicable traffic load distributions or ESA HV estimates. So I can I can try answering that question. Um, uh, traffic data that we have used is uh, MISA, which is um, million ESA, of course. So it had uh, it it was only taking the contribution from the heavy vehicles. We did not use traffic in terms of ADD. So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's the HV contributions that has been taken into account. Tim, would you like to add anything else? No, I think you pretty well covered it there. As we know, the heavy vehicle traffic has the higher axle lows and they're the major contributor to deterioration in the roads area. Thank you, Tim. I'm going to go to slide 26, where it talked about cracking. Um, and the question here is, how about um, a greater than 40 millimeters sample for cracking? 
part part of the network. Oh, you're talking about Ash thicker asphalt, are you? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know <laughs> Well we haven't developed a model for that. And as you yeah. know, the model we've got is not uh, particularly um, robust in terms of its fit to the data. I don't know yeah. whether Renita wants to add any more to that. <laughs> I think um, the scope was to develop one single model for each of the parameters. And um, we were seeing that if we continue to add everything like, let's say, asphalt or up to 100 mil, the performance was a bit different and it was like really going to a different type of sort of pavement type. So we mainly kept um, these model developments to the unbound uh, sill pavements or an asphalt pavement with a very thin layer of asphalt surfaces, which is less than 40 mil. So that's, that's according to the scope of this project. Thank you. Answers. I'm going to go to slide 35 now. Um, I think that's all the information on this slide. So why structural condition uh, deflection is not considered in the roughness prediction model? I, I, I think it does. I think it does if we go back to the cumulative model form, which is one slide before 34, mm -hmm. and it, it, it shows uh, deflection as a uh, yeah. So, so if you, yeah. if you look at the final model form, it has like um, here is the component which is 3.2 times d0 divided by 1000 to just convert it to micron to millimeter. So it does. So what it was showing in the in slide number 35 is to how to use this same cumulative form in an incremental mm -hmm. way because that was one of the um, observations and also comments from one of the project working groups like because in most of the PMS analysis, um, the, the incremental model forms are used so that we only calculate the increment over time and add it to the previous years. So this is just showing a different way of using the same cumulative formula to get uh, the differences between two years. So if you look in the bracket, the delta IRI T1 I minus I plus one, that, will, that calculation on its own will have a deflection there in the year of I minus one and also the delta T, there will be a deflection there. So deflection is, is included in the model form. Thanks, Renita. Um, we'll go to 41 now. Um, so is efficiency of subsurface drainage a factor that should be considered? If I can pick that up, look, uh, one, of the, one of the points is Within this study, there wasn't sufficient range to explore that, but there's been significant work done amongst it or on behalf of the road agencies to show whether it's uh, crown height or that combination with subsurface drains has, has an effect. Uh, it's not been built into the findings of this study, but again, this is, these, these are uh, being able to draw on wider studies uh, rather than this this particular one uh, is important, and yes, there are, there are effects if if you reach out to uh, other agency studies. And when we reported in our last Ostroads WAM six one four three work, uh, drainage effects were 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 significant once you start looking at the bigger network. Thanks, so very much bear that in mind. Mm -hmm. um, we will move on to the next question. Um, 
for the monthly lower soil moisture content uh, that was mentioned in the presentation, is this available on uh, the Bureau of Meteorology's normal website or do you need to make a data request for a report? It's available. It's available at the Bureau of Meteorology that has like a very extensive database on it and it's publicly available where you can actually have even LSM like data available on a daily basis. So so it, it can all be downloaded from there and no no request is needed. It's just, yeah, mm -hmm. publicly available. Thank you. Uh, great. Um, next question. So New Zealand data and Australian data uh, are used in um, for this research. A reasonable variation in weather condition between New Zealand and Australia, um, which would affect the pavement deterioration performance, such as rotting, cracking and roughness. Is there any standardization, any standard procedure adopted to um, um, to model calibration? Okay, um, I, I can start first and then Tim can probably explain. Mm -hmm. First thing is um, we did a comparison between New Zealand LTPP data and Osros LTPP data. And in this analysis, we are only using Australian LTPP and LTPPM data sets because we saw that there is a significant variation when it comes to deflection. And we did some statistical analysis and the, and the two data sets look significantly different. So um, the idea was to not to combine those data sets. So these are solely based on Australian data. Um, Tim, would you like to add anything to this? No, really, I don't think you could easily adapt these models to New Zealand without some sort of significant calibration because there's no doubt that the performance over there is different. The deflections are much greater, although surprisingly they can carry similar levels of traffic with much higher deflections. So there's a totally different nature of the soil over there, which I don't think we've covered by these models. They might be able to be calibrated out. Tyrone's probably the our, our pseudo geologist. He might like to say, comment about that. Well, just just taking the bait from Tim there. Yeah, <laughs> look, the weather, volcanic clays, and other things, and uh, that are common in in New Zealand, I expect uh, would would play a role. So, uh, and as we go around our country and into or Australia rather into reactor soils, and that. Uh, highly expansive clays, you also get different effects. So, so the key is to be aware of that where you are. Uh, the other aspect is the Thornthwaite moisture index, and in, in in throughout New Zealand would be uh, quite different from the majority of uh, of uh, Australia. And again, take those into account. And we've we've known those effects uh, are very significant. So local adaptation, understand your area. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so another question. Could you please clarify if the cracks considered in the models were only structural, alligator cracking, or if it included also other crack types like thermal uh, transverse cracks? I can start, but I, my understanding of the cracking data we got from TSD is it's surface cracking, it's not structural cracking. Mm -hmm. um, um, perhaps Renita could expand a bit on that, but I, because the variables for strength and traffic didn't come up in the analysis, it would just suggest that uh, the cracking we will look at was purely surface. 
Thank you. Um, next question. What modeling tool has been used? Um, how was the model methodology selected? Um, can a comparative performance of tested models developed using different methods be supplied? Well, we used a uh, very conventional piece of statistical software, the SPSS uh, statistical package from IBM, latest version, and we, we didn't compare the outputs of that software with any other alternative software. Renita might like to talk a bit more about that, but that's what we used. Yeah, SPSS was used, but also like at the beginning of this project, we have done lots of literature review and also the I'm talking about the methodology like the, that that has been asked here. So and also the discussion with the road agencies, there was always the preferences for an equation based model rather than a sort of an AI based model. Sometimes when you put the inputs, it comes at a, as a black box output. So we wanted to know the explanatory power of the variables and Try, try to manipulate those to get the results. So it it was the intention was an equation based model, and and that's what had been followed with all the traditional variables that we know tend to impact the payment performance have been taken into account and analyzed and later excluded from the because as I mentioned like it has been an, like an extensive process this whole iteration with with like probably if not hundreds like but like 10, 20, 50 iterations for each of the models. So we have gone through this and. And and saw like okay which one is not uh, really helping much and finally ended up with the final forms that we have just shown but the preference was always from the agencies as an equation based model which then able to be explained and can be seen and 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 worked out by the other people rather than an AI based model where you cannot really explain why why it is giving such results so I guess that that's that's why the methodology was there and we actually went through the literature review of all AI-based model, probability-based model, deterministic model, and mm -hmm. the idea was to stick to the deterministic model form. Yeah. And if I Thanks. might just say uh, that point and, and, and reinforce what Renita said, a deterministic model where changes in the input, uh, which you control and measure, etc., lead to a central estimate on, on an output estimate. Uh, and that's the kind of thing we try to have done, followed that practice for many years. Yes, probabilistic models, I'm sure, uh, have have a role, but that's been the central agreed approach uh, in this current development. Thanks, Tarun. Um, well, we have lots of questions and we're almost at 2 p.m. I'm just going to ask one last one. Uh, and for every other questions that we didn't have time to uh, address in this session, we will have a written response to everyone who attended the session. Um, so the last question for today will be, as the deflection models are based on the TSD data, what are the limitations with using the models on local council roads and using FWD as opposed to the TSD as um, as the TSD is limited in urban um, urban environments? Well, I'd like to point out that the models for the deflection deterioration are actually based on FWD deflections anyway. Uh, the issue would be further down the track if we start using um, TSD deflection, we'll have to correlate the relationship between FWD deflection and TSD deflection, so 
it means then that these models could be used with current uh, measures of FWD on local roads. And I don't know whether you want to add any more to that, Renita, but that's then that process of yeah. correlation is going yeah. on. I think, yeah, the models are based on FWD data. We tested the possibility of using TSD data, but then had to exclude that uh, approach because we are seeing like we will end up with multiple clusters and uh, model developed in one cluster may not be suitable for the other cluster in other states, for example. So so the LTPP database from Azure, these are, those are like FWD data. But having said that, like because um, there are like nowadays there are lots of TSD collection, I guess, uh, like down the track, there will be a defined relationship between the TSD and FWD, I guess, which we have also at some point, like work has been done on that front. So someone, if someone thinking about that sort of possible conversion, they need to refer to those. Ty, would you like to add further? Just to reinforce, there's many studies being done and there's others continuing in that with the next generation of the TSD vehicles, etc. And fundamentally, as Tim said, the LTPP was FWD based, so we're still, still well anchored into that. Thank you. Thanks, Tarun. All right, I just have a couple of slides left uh, to finish the session for today. Um, as you can see on your screen, um, there are a few sessions um, available on our calendar. Uh, for now, so one of the sessions might be of particular interest to you. Um, it's Asphalt Laboratory Fatigue Relationships webinar on the 22nd of March. Uh, please visit our website uh, for more information and to register. Uh, we are planning more sessions uh, and they will be published soon. Uh, keep an eye on our website. Um, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, today's session has been recorded and we will send you the link to the recording once it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Um, stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.